Welcome to Sober Sisters Talk. I'm MG. And I'm Elizabeth Pudwell. Welcome. The speaker series happens once a month. This will be part of our weekly Zoom meeting that happens every Friday night. If you would like to be a part of that meeting, you have to be female. And send us an email at SoberSistersTalk at gmail.com. If you would like to tell your story, please reach out to SoberSistersTalk at gmail.com. We want to have more stories out there in order to help other women. And here's our next speaker. Thanks for listening. Also, we'd love to invite you to a Zoom meeting this Friday night at 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. If you're interested, email SoberSistersTalk at gmail.com and we'll send you the meeting information and password. We hope to see you this Friday. It is my great pleasure to introduce our speaker for this evening, and that is Amalia. And I just want you guys to know that I have, I've known her for about 13 or 14 years, Mm -hmm. and I have seen her just have so much growth and have so much grace for herself and compassion. I've seen her go through a lot of struggles and uh, a lot of challenges and meet those challenges. And I'm just so proud of her. I'm uh, very proud of her program of recovery. She's just a huge inspiration to me. And so I'm going to turn it over to our own Amalia to uh, hear her story. Take it away, Amalia. Thank you, Melody, for those uh, words. I need to hear that. <laughs> uh, okay, my name is Amalia, I'm a personal addict, and I've been in Houston 15 years. I've uh, I've lived in, in Houston 15 years, and, and I came to SLA uh, the second, like, um, 13 years ago or something like that. And, and that was because... Um, well, I've been a sex and love addict all my life, you know. Well, not all my life, but... Um, but I, I mean, I... I was going out with a married man in Mexico, and it was very, so when I came to the, to Houston, I said one year without a partner, and 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 when I and I started dating, and the very first guy I started dating brought me to this program uh, back in two oh nine, I think it was, and um, I was I, I remember coming in crying. Uh, we used to meet uh, Sunday mornings at uh, St. John's. And I remember crying because here's this this executive that was sent over to open a, a job in a division here in Houston. Me that I'm intelligent and my manager sent me and paid everything and this and that and whatever. I could not manage uh, you know, a relationship with a guy. And he brought me to my knees. Um, it did take me a long time to get uh to overcome this um this addiction to this qualifier. I do have a disclaimer right now, and, and the disclaimer is uh, I'm going to right now through another change in my life. I I have been living here uh, in this uh, house well, with this person, uh, roommate for five years, and we came to an agreement that we're not longer really matching. Uh, she's not in the program, so I mean, things just happen the way it happens, you know? And I just want to say that uh, I'm leaving my qualifier, and my qualifier is that doggy that you see behind me. Uh, she she adopted me, uh, and uh, she has cancer, but she's been with me for 
I mean, I've seen her for five years, but she's lived here in my room for a year, I think. And that's really created, I'm very sad about it. I mean, I'm happy I'm leaving. I know it's time. I already got an, a, a townhouse with a friend, really nice townhouse near work. You know, all, everything's good. But I'm sad because I'm leaving the dog. And, and this reminds me when I, um, when I was leaving my first qualifier, I was living with him. And he had dogs. And guess who took care of the dogs? Me. And I remember my my good friend Karen saying, uh, "Be beware because he's going to get you by the dogs." And and yes, he did because I didn't move out, but I kept on going to see the dogs for about maybe six months until one of them died. And um, but I, I I am attached to this dog, you know, and 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 I think about her because. Uh, she's like a kind of like she has things like a qualifier. She adopted me because I started walking her, and I said once a week. And then we live downstairs. The family lives upstairs, so she came into my room little by little by little. And now she wants two walks a day <laughs> in her bed, and that's her bed because when I she shares she sleeps with me like three hours, then she goes, and then when my my alarm turns on, she comes back. And says, where's my bed? She waits until I make the bed, and she goes up. And I'm going to miss all of those little things. And I know, and, and I'm, I'm just saying it because uh, I know I cannot take her. I know I'm not staying. And it is like, I'm attaching. And I think I, I am a person who gets attached to, to things, per, people, things, and places, you know? And... Um, but the same thing happened with my qualifier. Eventually, I think I'll get a dog, but I can't right now. Not, but I, 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 I am a dual citizen. I was born in Washington D.C. Uh, I was um, uh, since I've been eight months old. I've come and gone to the states all the time. My mom was from Boston, and my father was from Veracruz. Uh, I we lived in Mexico City. And I would spend summers in the States. I've had uh, work, I've worked for American companies. Uh, I, I worked for a, um, uh, the Fulbright Commission uh, in, in, in Mexico City, uh, the, the Benjamin Franklin Library. So I was very connected to the American colony in, in Mexico City. And uh, eventually, uh, and I never wanted to come back. I, I didn't want to live in the States. Uh, I did have like this little thing that, um, you know, I, all my brother, my siblings are here and finally my manager sent me here, God sent me here. Uh, so I, I have parents and I say parents with capital P all around, you know, uh, capitalize all letters, perhaps my father and my mother took me as their companion. My father, uh, my mom was not up here. Uh, she, she, she was a little girl. Uh, she was very, very from Massachusetts. You know, now I went to, when she died, I, I, when she passed away, I went to live one, one year in Massachusetts. And I, I saw the people who are from Massachusetts, like the people who are, we say in Mexico, pueblerinos, like they're locals. They're very Quaker, and my mom was like that, you know. I was like, you know, and I was so rebellious against her growing up because she, she made me dress 
when I was a teenager, I couldn't go out. She was overprotective of me. She just could, you know, like she clung to me because she didn't learn Spanish. She didn't drive. So who guess, guess who was her little helper? Me, because I was the oldest, right? And then my father, uh, one day, and this hurts a lot, and it still hurts to date, because I, I, I had it really deep inside me. I was eight years old, I'm the oldest, and he says, I have five kids, you're the oldest, the strongest, you're on your own, baby. Punto. I mean, it was like, and that got me hooked to my father, because I was, Listening because now thanks to to you guys when uh, to to when I came to Houston, I did everything to get over my my addiction to to the, to these guys. I and uh, I still do it. And I was listening. You know, when when you're a kid and your parents tell you that, you think you are the one who are you are at fault. And and that hooked me to my father because from and, and it is true from then on. And even to this date, my brothers and sisters have a different father than I do. Like, like you know, like they have, the other day, it was the Day of the Dead, and my sister put this altar uh, to, the, to, the, to my father and my mom. And I was looking at the pictures, and there were pictures that I had never seen. It was amazing. And I said, no, I didn't tell say anything, but I was like, oh, my God. And um, so, uh, uh, so the thing is that, I'm the oldest, the responsible, uh, and, and I knew since I was maybe 10 years old what I wanted to do. I wanted to stay in Mexico. I wanted to go to a school with boys because they put me in a school, a private school with girls. I wanted to go to the National University. I wanted to be an academic. I love literature and I still do. And I wanted to be politician, kind of like politician, you know, it's a, it's like a smaller crowd in Mexico, even though it's so big, uh, it's like a smaller club. And I, I wanted to be that. No, 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 no. I wanted to be a ballet then. No, no, no. I was like everything I asked for was a total no, which has created a lot of resentments. And, and I still have it today, that, you know, because sometimes I, I wanted to do ballet and that's why I do so much exercise. I love it. I love to be at, at the bar class, at the yoga class, at the Y, because it, it, it's part of me, you know? So it's taken me a while to, and, and I'm still in the process of forgiving my parents. They were sick. They gave me whatever, you know, what they, they did. And, and they came from poor backgrounds. My father was an orphan and my mom lived in, in Massachusetts with the cold and she would tell her experiences. You know, going through the through through the cold without you know a heater. Only you know, and they, she would only take a shower a shower once a week. I remember that you know, and that's the way she she to this. So this um, so I'm overprotected, and my, I'm a teenager, and I I didn't have friends, so I ran out. You know, like I met somebody, and and and, and the thing I was so needy that I wanted to have friends, that I wanted to to go out and things like that, that uh, I met this girl that was my neighbor and um, I would do whatever she would ask me to. Even when uh, another girl told me, she's telling you to pay and you go and you pay. The neediness of having friends because I was so isolated and um, and, and I, I just couldn't be any other way. I, I just clung, clung, clung to people because 
I was uh, um, alone. And the thing is that uh, I was in a good position socially, and the persons I was dealing with were not in such a good uh, position. So it's kind of like, and, and in a way, I can understand my parents why they didn't want to let me go because I was gullible and whatever, you know, because I've done a lot of self, um, self-awareness or self-work on myself. And um, so I continue, uh, uh, my mom, so I don't get to, to go to school with boys. I get to finish the school with girls. Uh, my mom is, is a typical codependent addict, helplessness, and my parents separated when I'm 17 years old, and we come to the States, and we, we, we flew, you know, in the private plane to McAllen, and then we got to get to Boston, and all of that, you know, it's a story there, but anyway, so I, I so I live in, in Massachusetts with her, and, and I'm a teenager, so she dresses me with you know, with these blouses and long, long skirts, and I couldn't couldn't see boys. And even my aunt told her, asked her why she was letting, you know, why why was she being so stupid? No, she can't do this. And I and I, I, I would do whatever they did because they were my parents. And when I started to, with this group of friends that happened to be Christians, one of the guys, he was really my my friend. He told me, your mom is very. Um, She's very selfish. And I was like, my mom? My mom loves me. My mom cannot be selfish. Well, the thing is that, that she she was. And all my life, I tried to change her, and I never could change her. She never changed. Uh, I, um, I... I resented that she, she, did, she did not stand up with my father. My father was an alcoholic. He treated her like shit. And I was like really mad. And I said, I'm never going to marry. This is the way marriage is. And my father had lovers. And, and I, I would go out with his friends. Well, not go out with his friends, because eventually I came back to Mexico and I became his surrogate wife. So uh, I would travel with him, you know, to the different ports because my father was in the Navy and he, had, and he would take us all around the ports. and. Um, and and I would see that that the his friends had had lovers, you know, they would go with other women, and I started to think that it was better to be a lover than, than to be a wife. So anyway, I I um, I finally meet this guy when I'm eighteen, and uh, of course the first love of my life, and guess who butts into my life? My father, and I don't know if I I would have ever married him, this guy, but. It was really like I thought it was going to be my oh I was going to marry him in this, and and the thing is that his father happened to be in the navy too, and my father just it, it didn't work out and it was it, it was sort of like my father said no 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 because the message I got is because I wasn't good enough for him, right because. Even though I went to a private school and, and, and I met all these foreign girls or whatever, my grandmother was a maid in Mexico. So my father had this thing that, yeah, you have it, but you can't have it because this and that and whatever. And, and I felt like I'm the maid, you know? So anyway, I, I was pretty clean. I started working. I mean, I came back to Mexico. I didn't, uh, I wanted to live with my father, not with my mom because my father had all these 
drivers and uh, we, we had all this social life and you know and I was like you know I thought that was uh, uh, it was it you know to be going out but even though he drank and went out with prostitutes right so after that happened I um, I thought after that that issue I started getting obsessive about having that type of guy uh, you know in Mexico they're in here too but it's very more pronounced this thing about classes and we are very racist I, I understand that now. Um, and I wanted a guy with that particular social be, uh, social status. So I start, I go to college and the very first thing I do when I go to college was go to bed with every single guy I met. And I go and put in my, I go and put in my apartment when I'm 28 uh, years and everybody went to my apartment to, to, you know, I got this, this, um, fama, I don't know how you say fama, like everybody knew, all, all my neighbors knew that all the guys would go over and sleep with me and everybody, you know, even the, the neighbors would try to come up and, and sleep with me, you know, and, um, until one day I was like, I want to become a prostitute. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, that's the, nobody invited me anywhere. You know, it was only about six and I felt horrible. But then, uh, I, I moved to another house, uh, within Mexico city. And I met this psychologist who was really nice looking. And that's when I started stalking because the guy, the guy really was, I don't know. He was using me. He was like, um, I had a, a relationship with him once and I got hooked with him and he was really nice looking. And I thought, you know, this guy, and, and he wouldn't pay attention to me after it, it became a sadomasochist uh, relationship. And he stopped paying attention to me and I started going ballistic. I would go, he, he didn't let, he, he lived nearby my house and I would go in and do my rounds around his house. And then he kept on being my friend so I invited him to become a member of the of the neighbor club because I wanted to show the my world, which is was the Navy atmosphere at that time, that I had a boyfriend. It has been so difficult for me to have a boyfriend all my life. Like a, well, I, and then I had another one. I was going, but that's another story. But anyway, but the way I've I've felt, even though I've had two men that that I would have married, is that. I was not attracted. It was sort of like my parents wanted me to take care of them. My father wanted me to be there to take care of him. And I thought that was my responsibility. So then when I, when I, I meet this guy and he, he kind of like, um, does this, this, um, game about he has sex with me and then he stops having sex and I start, you know, like, uh, uh, I even paid. He, was, he wanted to move into my apartment, but I said, no, because you want to bring other girls into the room and I can't stand that. So, so I told him no. And he was like, oh, yeah. well, I don't know where I got the strength that time. Uh, and um, he, I even paid, you know, I had a debt. He had a desk that I bought and I, and I fixed it. And he asked for it back, you know, like I, like I paid for, for things like for him to be my friend. And until one day, 
I noticed, I don't know, something just told me this guy is not it. And I stopped talking to him. I just didn't say anything and just stopped talking to him and got out of his life. But that started a, a pattern in me of stalking guys. Um, and, and not understanding that if they don't like me, they don't like me. <laughs> like if, now I, I can, I can accept rejection much better. And, and, and I learned this in Boston, rejection is perfection. But I was like, I am going to, to find this guy. I, I wanted somebody and, and that's what I want. I still want, I know that. I want something, someone academic that has power like my father. That, that's like, like, like that, and I'm still obsessed with that. I'm, I'm working with that right now. But um, it was like, so uh, I, I started working. I mean, I've been very lucky with my jobs and I, I've always had a job. That I don't have money is another thing because I, I also am a group junkie. I have problems with my food, problems with my money, problems with, 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 with my relationship, whatever. No? But anyway, and also growing up with my father, I was, and staying here in Mex there in Mexico with him, I was invisible. Just, I mean, it was all about my father. It wasn't about, there was nothing about me there. It was just about my father, my father, my father. To the point that the guy that sent me to, to Houston one time told me, stop talking about your parents. He said, uh, you have your own life and, and they already lived your life. So you have to do your own life. And he, you know, he's the guy who sent me to, to Houston. And I'm like, okay. And this guy, the one who sent me to Houston, he's a womanizer. He's, you know, he's, he's a sex and love addict, but he has a, he has a lot of money. And, but he never, he, I didn't have anything to do with him. And he didn't send me because I had big, big boobs. Like one friend suggested, it wasn't, there was nothing sexual with him. He told me that, he says, stop talking about them. You should live your own life. And I'm like, oh, how do I live my own life? I don't know how to live my own life. I was left in, in, in the dark when I was eight years old. And now I grow up and, and yes, I'm, I'm a, I'm, uh, I studied. And the other thing, I didn't study uh, literature. I studied administration because my father said I had to be a secretary and I said, F you, I'm, I'm going to get a career and I got a career and thanks. And, and I, I've been around the program a lot. I mean, my mom said that I had to go to Al-Anon. I did meet people in Al-Anon, but I never, I've never worked the program as an, until I came here. Well, seven years before I came here, I started really, really working the AA program. And then that that's what it was thanks to the program that I got here. But, you know, I, I started growing up, you know, I started, uh, um, work and I'm thinking I'm this executive girl, you know, like this and whatever, because I had good jobs and, you know, and I was marketable and, and, and then I, 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 I got this phase where I just wanted to go, I, I would go out with little guys, with younger guys and just have sex with them. And, and then I started feeling disgusted by myself, but, but I would say to me, to myself, oh, it's because I'm free. You know, and, and that happens a lot in the Latin culture. I mean, now that I'm here and, and I, I can see them, it, it's like they think, oh, yeah, you know, they talk about sex. You know, the other day I was doing um, an interview with, with a, an actress and she was very open about her sexuality in a good way. I mean, but she was talking, you know, if the guy didn't pay attention, how she would love herself and 
how she would make love and she knew she knew all all these places where they would give her pleasure whatever like it was it's more open there you know and i'm like uh that that was that was not good for me because i literally took it as it was i could be free you know and i needed to have all this sex and because you know that i needed to um to satisfy my this instinct so what was wrong with going you know meeting a guy and, and you know and, and just taking him to bed until one day i, I was I, I met this guy uh i was at work and he was he had a girlfriend from spain and the girlfriend from spain went to spain so he went out with me and he went to bed with me and he left me and i was so mad at him i felt so used but I like I would stop and then have abstinent times, and then I kept on working and I met this guy. And, uh, he was he was going to be my boss, but never got to be my boss. And he was like the type of guy I wanted. He was yeah he he was he was his mother was European. He was Mexican, but he, his mother was European. He was really nice looking. He had a doctorate. He wanted, you know, like he had this, he was divorced, he had a son, and excellent father. And by the way, I've met so many excellent fathers, but terrible partners for women. I've, I've met them. So now I can distinguish that, you know. So anyway, uh, my father was passing away at that time. He was really sick, and, and it was, my father's death was a whole story on its own. And I needed to distract myself. And I distracted myself with um, stalking this guy. I stalked this guy for five years. Until eventually his mom told me he was going over to live to Merida and he was getting married. But I stalked him. And I couldn't stop it. And, and people who noticed it would tell me, what the hell are you doing there? He's not interested in you. No, he is interested. He will love me. I know he is, and this and that, and whatever. You know, right now, I say, I think if I ever see him in Merida, I'm going to duck my head. Because <laughs> I went to, because he didn't live in Mexico City, he lived in Veracruz, and I went to Veracruz to sleep with him. That's basically what I did. Oh, it was, it was craziness, you know? It's like, what a, I, 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 it's like, how did I, you know, what, I couldn't get a boyfriend, you know, and I envied these girls in the, with whom I grew up. It was so easy for them to get a boyfriend and get married and be, I don't know, happily married, but that's the way I saw it, you know, and I couldn't get one. The ones I got, there was, because I, 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 I was from another, I'm from a higher society. I wouldn't go, you know, I, I wouldn't like those. So uh, I even tried to go to a therapist to get a partner, but I wasn't, I, I never, I wasn't, it was not known the sex and love addiction at that time. You know, I was, I was in the wrong. So anyway, I, um, so I, I, I go, my father passes away and uh, I go into AA and I thought I had, uh, you know, and I, I'm, I'm more in AA for prevention than, than because I really was a drink. I drank because of the guys. It, uh, it wasn't, you know, but AA helped me out a lot. It did. 
and I uh, and I have I still have sponsors. Uh, in fact, I'm going to see her now. I'm going to Mexico. I'm going to Manzanillo with her uh, to a um, retreat. Um, it, I mean, I wouldn't have come to Houston had it not been for the seven years I gave service in, in AA in Mexico City. And uh, but anyway, I started into and of course my sex and love addiction appears there in, in the group and I ended up with a married guy. He was a nice guy. I mean, he took care of me. Uh, uh, there was another guy I was interested and he told me, this guy told me, you're not right. That guy is going to, he's, he's an abuser, he told me. You should not go away. I'm, this is the guy I'm, you know, the married guy. Anyway, I, I thought, you know, I'm handling this. I'm, I'm the one who can cut this off five years with the guy. And the way I broke up, it was higher power sent me to Houston. That's how, it, how I was able to broke up. Because I couldn't break up with him because I had this, this attached. Uh, and I felt the last year, I didn't want to have sex with him. I didn't want to go out with him. I, I felt dirty. Um, but he consisted, he even helped me with, with my move to Houston. And, um, I eventually, I, I, I was able to get away from him and thanks to the program, uh, well, I got here and I got, I did another program, uh, away when I first came and my therapist, and then I met this guy and, and my sponsor from that program told me, this guy is abusing you and you don't even notice it. And I'm like, well, he's abusing me. Because when I started with this guy, uh, it was very difficult for me the first year in Houston because I got with a job and the girls were very jealous of me because here's this Mexican girl coming in to work and start a division. And then the, the one who was supposed to be my manager, I hated her. It was, it was really a bad situation. I, I mean, I survived two years there, but, um, and uh, I met this guy, and when I met him, like, he was my, I clung to him, because in the beginning, everything's nice. I went to, the, to um, yeah, I, I got to know a lot, Corpus Christi, Austin, San Antonio, and he had a little, um, it's a trailer in uh, Goliath, and I love going there, and, and he had the dogs, and Eventually, he got me to sign a lease with him uh, for a year uh, in downtown near the museum. And the moment I put the foot on in that door, I was like, what the hell am I doing with a guy that I don't even like? Just because he was nice to me. And, and, and it got to be, he wanted money. He wanted me to, to be his helper. Uh, you know, like he, he abused me all the time. And he would make temper tantrums if I didn't like, if I didn't go get a, a cigarette, you know, like I would start getting mad at you know, arguments and, to, and sometimes I would just keep quiet and go for the damn cigarettes so we wouldn't be fighting and, and this and that. And um, he he wanted to possess me. He took over my car because he had a car, but my car was new. So he, he, he took over my car. My car smelled like cigarettes. Oh, oh no, it was... I mean, and eventually I started going, changing jobs, and I got another job and whatever. And uh, thanks to you guys, uh, I was able to leave him. But 
even the day that I was going to leave him, I remember it was at work in February, I don't remember what year, and I went to a, a, a flop party and, and my friend was, Karen was telling me, and I was like, I shouldn't leave, you know, because I, I was more worried about him than about, and, and she told me, it's not going to get better, it's going to get worse. And those words were the ones that, that made me leave the next day. Had, had I not had slaw, I would have never left this guy. And then the other problem I've had, uh, I, I mean, I've been, the first years in slaw were not easy for me. Uh, it took me a while to get away from this guy, but um, I met a neighbor 20 years younger. And I had a big slip with him. And I tend to like younger guys. And, and I think the reason is because while I was growing up, I had so many, so much responsibilities. I couldn't have a boyfriend and this and that. That I missed IPO. I missed, you know, being young and having the boyfriend and having the solution about getting married and all of this. You know, I, I, I missed it a lot. So I think part of it is that is that that I like younger guys, and part of it is that I, I I it took me a while to grow up. I was so overprotected that I was 28 years old and I didn't even make my bed, you know. Um, so I think basically I tried to give myself an explanation why I like younger guys, and even right today, uh, I'm already 65, and I think oh, now I have all these older guys. <laughs> I'd rather date one ten, one 10 years younger. Uh, I really do, but anyway, I don't, and right now, um, uh, then I started dating, and I dated the guy in Mexico, and I did not follow my dating plan, and we had sex, and then I told him, are we in a relationship? No, I'm not ready. So I learned pretty quickly that I have to have a dating plan, and that, I have to follow it. And if my manager, my man, sorry, my sponsor says he's not good for you, I pay attention now. Right now, I have a guy that uh, where, I'm, uh, where I'm working, and I do like him. I mean, but he smokes, and that's a deal breaker. And that has been a little bit hard on me because I like him, but I, it's not like before, uh, because uh, thanks to all the work I've done here in the program, uh, I can accept that 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 I like the guy, and he's not for me. Like I've, I've met, I've met this this other Mexican guy that I like him a lot. He's a great father, and uh, I went. I didn't actually go for on a date, but he invited me to visit something with him. Uh, 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 some, I, I, I get my Spanish mixed. Um, so he invited me out, and we went out, and I noticed that he might be a great father, but he's not a good companion, and I can see it now. Uh, but how did I get into to this? I went to, I gave service, and I gave service at every level. I gave service in the group, I gave service in the intergroup. I even went to um, uh, Massachusetts, and in two years I was a delegate for for the um, for, for the SLA main, uh, well, the big SLA, or, or fellowship, whatever. That's how I got sober. That, that's how I've uh, managed to stay clean, because now I'm clean. Even though, and yes, I've, I've, I've 
met guys. I, I met an Argentinian the other day, and it didn't work out. And and I talk it out with my sponsor, and I'm like, it's okay. And and yes, I do wish to find someone. Um, and I'm dealing with that because by being dual, because I am dual, I have all these. Like, we we fight with our two little monkeys, right? But also, I fight with two with, with cultures and, and being from, you know, and I want to go back to Mexico. And I, I think I prefer somebody from Mexico. And then, but I want to, I want this thing here. And uh, right now, I'm working on that because I'm very contradictory in my feelings with guys. And I objectify them too. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I've, uh, I've learned that too. And... I want to have this awareness, and, and I want to um, really, uh, I don't know what the word is, but really want to let you all know, girls, that give service. Give service at every level. Uh, I even took the committee, and, and I even, I didn't write it, but I was the one responsible for their healthy relationships, and um, what's the other one? Um, what was the, well, and these, these uh, um, the gift of no context. I was, uh, we finished those. I mean, I was the, the chair for that committee. Um, but of course, uh, for my ego, I wish I, I could publicize them and put it in my curriculum. <laughs> but well, anyway, so now, uh, uh, I'm a much happier person, even though I'm, I'm struggling right now with leaving this dog behind. I mean, I'm really sad. Because, uh, <laughs> uh, but I, I know it's time for me to go from here. It's not the best, uh, you know, like, it's not working. So anyway, uh, and it's okay. And it's okay to be sad. It's okay to be alone. I, I've learned to be alone. I've, I've learned a lot of self-care. Um, and uh, please come to the Monday morning night meetings. We need people that uh, just want to say that because I that's right now I have a, I, I got away from all the service um, because I thought I mean this happens at any level and I like I don't know we said say this at a time per in other places because when you have a lot of time in the program and I got to be sober and I felt blessed or whatever. I thought I was good, and so I kind of drifted away, you know. And then I met this younger guy at, at the office, and I was falling for him. And I, I started to see that the parents were coming back. And said, you know, I have to go back. So I, I've committed to the Monday night meeting, like my because that's the meeting I can come to. Um, these meetings at six o'clock because I, my job is kind of difficult for me to get to the meetings. But um, I I want to encourage you to give service at any level we need it and and it does work um hopefully i'll get to to meet somebody i don't know i mean i, I am going out and meeting somebody kind of dating and um i got this slip from this is a turtle this is the way my da my dating plan is i'm going really really slow <laughs> I mean, <laughs> there's no rush. Even though I'm 65, there's no rush. Um, 
and this was given to me by a, a friend that I, this, this is a really nice gift anyway but um it is okay to, to to feel sadness it is okay to be vulnerable it is okay to feel compassion for myself uh, because that, I, I ran away from that a lot. That's what, you know, the high of, of having somebody, the high of being, you know, recognizing the high of this. It is okay to know, to be one, you know, as you say, another bozo in, in, in the bus. It is okay. I've suffered for for being a bozo in the bus, for wanting to be a princess. I even got that nickname from my father. Because I wouldn't go to Veracruz if you if you if you wouldn't send me on the plane. That's that's the way I was growing up. So now, I'm, well, that's kind of my story. I I, I will never leave with this. I know this is where I I belong, and I I thank you for listening to me. I, I hope you got something out of it. So thank you. That's it for this month's speaker meeting. Stay tuned to Sober Sisters Talk for next month's speaker. Thank you.